G'day Legends and Legendaries, welcome to another episode of Generation Get To It, a sugar hit of positivity and health for you to get the most out of yourself to inspire this generation and the next. Make sure you like, subscribe, so you get the latest episodes, and also share the word so we can get more people changing lives for the better. So for today's episode, we have another special guest, someone who I immediately took a liking to because of the amazing work he's doing with his Vedic Meditation. He's also someone who has had a great number of life experiences and is only going to be doing bigger and better things for the future. And it's not out of his own selfish thoughts, but more in what he can do for the community so he can help others as well. If you're someone who struggles with stress and maintaining time, productivity and just not being able to connect to others, this episode is perfect for you because we're going to take you through some Vedic meditation, what it is, how it works, how you can use it as a tool to live on a more conscious level with your family, with your friends, and also yourself. It's all about something that you can do in your own time that will help change the way that you and your family live for the better. Let's get to it. Just one more thing. As you'll be able to hear, there's a little bit of an audio issue due to my poor internet connection. Fortunately, you can hear Baron very clearly, which is... Let's face it, the only reason we're here. So just bear with it with it, and you'll be able to cancel out all my bad jokes anyway. And so I think we'll all get along fine. So stay tuned. G'day everyone, welcome back to Generation Get To It. Today I've got an absolute legend of a bloke named Baron Hansen. I really took a great liking to straight away, mainly because not just his authentic personality, but I think the fact that his message and his big ideas for the future in the community just stand out more than, than I've seen a lot of people do. Uh, so to give him a bit of an intro before we start, Aaron seems to have done a lot of things in his life. He used to like to push the boundaries and really try and get out there and explore different ways the human body can work and also have lots of important conversations that I think can touch a lot of people's hearts. And you'll notice that straight away. He's started off by doing a, a lot of snowboarding travel tours, which I think is really fascinating. And from there has grown to do so many amazing things like starting up a creative production firm in New York called Convicts, which have done some really great work and I'm sure that Baron will touch on in a minute. But I've only met Matt Baron since he started to become a Vedic meditation teacher uh, down in or both our hometowns called Nara. Uh, he runs a lot of seminars down there, but he actually runs a lot of seminars all over the world, which um, we'll kind of touch in towards the end. But welcome, Baron. Thanks, Jordan. It's great to be here. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to chat. Yeah, great. So first thing I want to kind of get out there is trying to understand, like, who is Baron and why has he done so many different things in the world <laughs> and uh, why have he ended up in the place you are now? But what, what kind of drives him? Why have you had all these experiences? That's, that's a really good question and uh, one that I'm trying to figure out myself. Um, when, we, when we first met, Jordan, I think we talked about uh, Joseph Campbell, the idea of this hero's journey and that, you know, we're all kind of on this path. We're on this journey throughout life and we start in the comfort of our own home and then we, we explore, we go out and we have trials and tribulations. And along the way, we learn things. And um, sometimes we fail, sometimes we succeed. Um, and then in Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, it's a circular thing. So you actually end up back where you started. And what happens when you come back to where you started, you're not, you're not the same person. And you've learned some lessons and you can then pass them on to you know, your family or your home. And so for me, I think that 
I've had a bit of a circular journey. Uh, I left home when I was 18, uh, traveled around the world, ended up at Wollongong University, uh, ended up in Sydney, and then I lived in New York for eight years. And now I've taken everything I've learned from those kind of 14 years of, of, of traveling around to actually bring them all back to home and bring them into this project called Be Here Now, which I'm currently working on. Yeah, amazing. Um, and I've got to say, first place me and Baron did meet was actually at one of his seminars that he was running to kind of get more people in the community involved in his great project, which we'll touch on in a minute. But I was definitely touched by the way you, you spoke so proudly of uh, the community and many of the experiences you've had along the way, because I think that you've had a lot of unique experiences that have really shaped person you are now but I was really touched by the way that you spoke about Joseph well, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey because I think you've taken a, a big turn for what a journey that a lot of people take where they grow up in a small country town and then you know they want to kind of something just doesn't feel right so they go out and see the world and really challenge themselves and do a lot of really great things so my kind of big question is like meditation is your your thing and that's where we met so why did you take on this journey? What has Vedic meditation been to you? Yeah, so I picked up Vedic meditation when I was living in New York City. And when I was living in New York City, I started a business with four other Australians. Uh, it's a digital media agency creative studio called Convicts. And New York is an inherently stressful place compared to Nara. And uh, <laughs> I was also probably indulging in a lot of the uh, nefarious sides of New York City and, and really partying hard and drinking a lot and doing drugs. And it was great, fun, um, but it wasn't sustainable. And my business partner, kind of, he was a little bit older. He was also a Vedic meditator. He kind of nudged me in the right direction of... Um, uh, from sleeping under my desk on a Monday morning at lunchtime towards a Vedic meditation course. And almost immediately, as soon as I sat the course, I just felt the benefits right away. And I felt this really balancing effect. I felt that all of the stress that was coming in from New York, I was able to kind of release um, through this practice. And it really gave me a new lease on life. And I think I ended up staying about another six years after learning when maybe I could have burnt out after two. And a lot of people do that. They come to New York, they hit it hard and they last two or three years and, and it just spits them back out and they end up back. So I, I, was, I, I credit Vedic meditation for um, prolonging my stay there and um, changing a lot of behaviours that were leading me down a, a, a dark road. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying, so you're saying that... Uh... Not everyone is immune to the big city lights, which um, which arise when you go to somewhere like New York. If you're not careful, it'll it'll chew you up and spit you out. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember what you said uh, during the seminar, which I think was really really great, was you know you you were definitely living this lifestyle of like being an entrepreneur and like kind of go go go, and you know if you're not kind of working towards something like right this second, you're you're almost falling behind, but you kind of said that when you started the meditation, you almost changed your mindset in that way. And you almost found that slowing down was also your way of speeding up or getting creative. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. And, 
you know, I went to Nara Public School and our school motto was aim to achieve. And so from five years old, the school song that we were singing is aim to achieve is the song we sing. And that flowed into you've got to concentrate, you've got to work hard, you've got to study hard, you've got to do all these things. And that's how the Western world runs. It's all about, it's achievement-based society, right? And that, you know, what we accumulate and what we do is our worth and our value. And meditation is kind of the opposite. You know, we tell people to sit quietly and by doing nothing, you achieve everything. And, you know, giving yourself that space and giving yourself that time to come back to you is like a superpower. And so I definitely found that I didn't lose my edge. And that's what a lot of people are concerned about coming to uh, meditation, especially high performers, that you'll lose your edge if you, if you come and, and learn meditation. But what it really gives you is it gives you more balance and more sense of self and in that I think you can really find your edge rather than lose it. That's a that's a really really good point actually because it it sounds kind of counterintuitive to what a lot of people would believe when it comes to yeah like working hard and and really trying to you know burn the candle but like it seems that yeah what you're saying it's it's kind of giving you a bit of your power back by by taking that moment to kind of reflect on yourself. So because you're, you've sounds like you've kind of been the polar opposite where you have been working really hard to actually achieve some really good goals. Like, what do you think was, you said your partner helped kind of get you into the meditation kind of thing, but like, was there a really strong reason why you just turned? Because I feel like it's going to take something big to kind of just push you across that one session or, or something. Yeah, there was no like single catalyst uh, episode okay. that that caused it but I think it was a build-up of a number of things I think there was I had an openness to it uh, I was willing to kind of explore my mind and, and consciousness and uh, I was a big fan of the Tim Ferriss show I'm still a big fan of the Tim Ferriss podcast and you know in the first couple hundred episodes I would say probably 70% of the people that he interviewed had some sort of meditation practice and so it kept coming up and it was just like, wow, all these high performing people, all these high achievers. And, you know, he, he interviews the top of the top of world-class uh, performing people in different industries and they all had some sort of meditation practice. And so for me, it was like when my business partner suggested it, it was, it was, it was ready. I was, I was primed and I, you know, went set the course. And then from then on, I've, I've never really stopped. My teacher uh, set me a 30 day challenge. So he said, Try this for 30 days. See if you like it. If you hate it, you can quit after 30, but you've committed this time. You've committed this money to do this course. Like just do it for 30 days and see what happens. And I've never stopped since, uh, since I started. Mm. So what were some of the initial changes you made within that 30 days to actually get you to the point where you felt like you could continue on? Yeah, really good question. I mean, the, fir the first thing that happened is I stopped smoking weed. So I used to smoke weed like three or four times a week in New York. And it was just my way yeah. of relaxing at the end of the day. Uh, it was pretty habitual, you know, come home when you've had a big day, you'll smash some weed and have some ice cream and watch some, some, some TV or something. And after 30 days of meditating, I realized that I hadn't bought any weed that month and I hadn't smoked and I've never bought weed ever since, but it, it wasn't a conscious choice. It wasn't like I, went out and I was like, I need to quit weed. I didn't even think weed was a problem, but 
what happened is I just started recognizing that that wasn't serving me anymore. And so, you know, I wasn't waking up Conan over the next day. I was, I was fresher. I had more energy and yeah, it's been, it's been a fantastic accidental outcome that just happened naturally without kind of any guidance or anyone telling me that I should stop smoking weed. Wow. That's amazing. Cause you've, well, it sounds like that was almost a byproduct of the meditation that you're doing where you didn't, search to say to drop weed out of your life but more the fact that it's uh de-stressing yourself and and kind of improving life that everything else kind of all the bad habits fell away with it so that's really really fascinating mm. so it sounds like you've obviously found the reason why you really love doing the Vedic meditation but first of all I want to understand like what is there are so many different meditations out you have so much breath work which is going around and you know, you have obviously Wim Hof and you have like a whole bunch of other kind of pioneers as well that doing your own breath work. But what exactly is Vedic meditation? Yeah, awesome question. So the technical way of describing it is it's considered an automatic self-transcendent technique. So it's also can be classified as a mantra-based practice. So in Vedic meditation, we use bija mantras. Uh, the Sanskrit definition of bija is seed. So they're essentially these sounds, um, these sounds that we give people, and they're the technology and the tool for de-exciting the mind. And so you, when you first learn Vedic meditation, everybody gets a personalized, individualized mantra. And that mantra is the tool that they'll use for the rest of their life to help to de-excite their mind. And very simply, as we repeat this mantra over and over again, what naturally happens is the mantra gets softer and fainter and disappears, leaving us in this place of transcendence. And in this context, transcendent means to go beyond thought. So we're going beyond a thought by the use of our mantra. And the mantra is simply the vehicle for moving us there. So the, the Sanskrit word for mantra is mind vehicle, ma, mind cha move towards and so it's like you can think about the mantra moving us towards but i'm actually curious what uh meditation practices have you done or tried yourself um yeah good good question um because i've got to say i've i've definitely tried a lot because same thing with me i didn't feel like meditation was was going to give me like i knew like it had like so like any stress benefits and it's meant to kind of cool you down and, and let you relax but same thing I was going 100 mile an hour like doing all my coaching and you know coaching on the floor for like you know 12 hours a day and then going home and training and, and doing all sport and I just felt like there was no time in my life for me to sit still and spend 10 minutes you know just breathing and trying to relax like it just felt like it was going to inhibit me as well so I refused to do it for a long time. Like, or maybe we'd try it for like two minutes one day and be like, nah, this is, this is, this is terrible. Like <laughs> my mind's just going a hundred mile an hour. I'm not going to be able to relax. So I've actually, you'd be proud to know this, but I've been meditating every day for the last two months, which has been absolutely huge. And I've got to say a lot of it, it's actually come from what you spoke about when I went to your, your seminar. Um, I did, <laughs> did have to experiment a lot in terms of what I did. So I've done Wim Hof before and I found that was useful for a, a little bit, but it never really stuck. Um, and then I also tried doing some, like counting my breaths and things like that and seeing that help, but that didn't really help as much. But what I've actually found has helped a little bit the last few months was kind of reflecting on what you said and trying to find like almost my own little mantra and, and trying to 
just give me something to kind of get me in the zone to start off with to really kind of kickstart and push through those first like three to five minutes. I find that's the hardest bit. And then when I can kind of get a hold of that, I, I start to relax a bit more and I can start to either like lean into some like visualization, but most importantly, just finding the time to, to actually look after my own health because I, at the end of the day, it's like that 10 minutes, you know, the meditation might not work some days. It might be still really wound up by the time I leave, but I do feel better at the end because I've said to myself that I deserve this. Like I deserve 10 to 20 minutes of my own time to actually focus on something um, and try and relax. So yeah, I'd say credit to what you what you said during seminar because I just found like it really like kind of definitely hit a nerve for me and said that, you know, it's okay to to be someone who can take the time yourself and still perform to a high level and and really just learn to to take care of yourself because I found that was really huge. So yeah, credit to you. That was that was, was really, really touching. Oh, that's huge, mate. Congratulations. And um, you know, I think that the finding the time is the biggest excuse that most people have, right? And it's there's this counterintuitive statement that Gandhi said, and he said, I, I was so busy today, I meditated for two hours instead of one. <laughs> and 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 I honestly believe that meditation buys you more time in your day because you know a lot of people we just get up and we're straight into our thought mind into our stress mind and we're percolating on stress and we're recycling stress throughout the day and what we do when we first meditate in the morning is we just get a chance to release some of that stress and it, it's like it's like cleaning up the desktop you know then there's like this saying about a you know, if you've got six hours to cut down a tree, spend the first five sharpening your axe. And I feel like for me every morning, that's what my meditation is like. It's like sharpening the axe. And so by the time I come out of it, I've just, I just know where I need to be and what I need to do. And I feel like, feel more orderly. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I've just moved through life with a lot more ease. And so I make up that 20 minutes like that, you know, I, I'm straight in, into that, that flow. I'm in that flow state all day. So yeah, I, I definitely definitely hear you because that was the biggest probably reservation for me starting was the 20-minute twice-a-day practice. So I don't have 40 minutes. I don't have four <laughs> minutes. Uh, but by doing that 40 minutes, I've, I've gained a lot more time in the last um, yeah, eight years. It sounds like a bit of a productivity hack, if you ask me. But um, <laughs> I think <laughs> the hub, it's, it's, it's so funny. Like it's so in front of our face and obvious, but... Some things just don't seem to rise until, you know, like a moment hits us or like you say, you do just stick to it for 30 days and then it can kind of really come through. But what you said then, your thought mind versus stress mind, I find that really fascinating. Can you please explain what the difference is between them? Yeah, I mean, if you think about when we're, most people spend their life on the surface, it's stuck in in these, these the thought mind, the thinking mind. And, and a lot of it's based in the ego, right? So when we're thinking, of thinking, 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 um, we're often recycling stress. And the, the thought mind and the stress mind are, you know, often often interlinked here. And what happens when we meditate is we actually get to fold that ego. We actually transcend the ego and we get to experience what it's like to be kind of like the bottom of the ocean. And so if you can imagine like everybody is, when they're in their thought mind, is their individual expression of themselves. They're like waves on an ocean and everybody's just kind of individual wave on the ocean. When we meditate, we collapse all that down and we experience what it's like to be the ocean. And so we're in this place of no thought and we're experiencing what it's like to be 
connected to everything and everyone. We're just oneness. There's this, this beautiful feeling of oneness. We're not thinking about the past. We're not thinking about the future. We just are. We're pure being. And then we come out of it, we have a thought, and we're back in our thinking mind. And so slowly what happens through meditation over time is we start to bring these two states together. So the, the wave state and the ocean state start to come together. And we recognize and realize that we are the wave and we are the ocean. And so when you come out of meditation, you start to feel that expandedness. You start to feel that oneness in your everyday life. And it's a beautiful feeling because you feel more connected to people. And what, we, what starts to happen when people start to meditate is we start to feel less individual and more collective. So we start to see ourselves as part of, of the collective consciousness rather than the individual consciousness. And I've noticed that with you, like what, what you're trying to do as well, you know, building communities, wanting to help people. Like you, you seem like you are really connected to those, those around you and, and, and the people around you. And I think, you know, some people naturally are born like that. And then others are very, very much stuck on the, the individualistic um, society. And it's a gradient, right? It's a gradient of how kind of, engrossed you are in that ocean layer versus the wave layer so yeah i'm curious how like how's how do you think that kind of thinking or this idea that we are a collective consciousness shows up in what you're trying to do i work with our own collective consciousness conscious in the in the family so in terms of getting on the same wavelength and actually coming to connected with this conscience it's more doing doing things as a group is going to really kind of bring this like bring families together and being more mindful and showing more love and connection and a higher level communication is something that's going to really bring a lot of families together so yeah exactly what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to kind of get everyone connected together and actually be able to live uh, more mindfully in their own family and i think that doing something like meditation is, is a really great way to actually do that and so i do i do encourage it for a lot of, most people in my program as, as well as a part of mindfulness and, and compassion with each other. I wanted to touch on how you reflect with, how are you going to reflect with your, your big community-based program that you were trying to run? Because you mentioned that you were trying to bring everyone to a level of conscience and uh, you're actually running a really great program called Be Here Now. Can you please expand on that? Yeah. Uh, where do I start? <laughs> so when I was living in new york we were making documentary films for our, our company convicts and i loved working there and I, I have had a zoom with all my colleagues today um working on a project with for university of wollongong where we're working on some creative um stuff for them for around their 50th year anniversary uh and except i felt like i wasn't making a huge impact in the world what i was doing on my day-to-day -day there and I started to think about, well, where can I position myself to make more impact? And this idea of like, think global, act local came to me um, while I was doing my meditation teacher training. I was, I was going to do meditation teacher training just on the side as like a side hustle. I loved it so much. I just wanted to be able to share it with people. So I started the course. The course took about two years to do part-time. And I had this, I had this thought, uh, it was, it was in the pandemic. It was during 2020, um, when I was doing my teacher training that I was like, well, what if we tried a social experiment? What if we tried to see whether we can make an effect uh, on NARA through this intervention? And there's all this science and research from like the 1970s and the 1980s done by the TM organization about this idea of the Maharishi effect. And the Maharishi effect is essentially this idea that if you can raise the 
the consciousness of a small group of, of, the, of people, it actually has a seismic effect throughout the, the geographic location. And so it's, it's a little bit out there and the science is, is um, you know, there's, 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 there will, there's people um, who don't believe the science and it's, it's not the, there's, there's hard to do uh, placebo controlled um, randomized trials of, of this kind of um, size and magnitude, but there's 55 published studies about it. And I wanted to recreate it and I wanted to recreate it on film. And so I'm trying to teach 1% of Nara to meditate and see whether when we reach that one percent threshold whether that has an effect throughout the greater community as well and so working with the university of wollongong and we're trying to figure out how to measure all this and 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 how we actually figure out uh what's going on <laughs> um and is and are we making any change and i don't know if it will work um all i can say is the anecdotal reports that i'm having right now i've taught about 100 people to meditate in now already is that the individuals who are taking up the course and doing it are having a profound change in their lives. And that is having a ripple effect. It's having a ripple effect on their families. It's having a ripple on their workplaces, or maybe they quit their jobs because they realized they weren't happy um, or they've left their, their, you know, they've left toxic relationships um, because they've had this you know, increased self-awareness. And so there's a lot of good happening regardless of what the science says. And I know personally that like I could, I could name yeah twenty or thirty people who who have kind of completely had their lives changed just by this in the first year. So um, yeah. success so far. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I look at your Instagram all the time um, because you can really see the pure passion that you put into the project and and the reflection of the people. Yeah, if you want to jump on to to see Baron's Instagram in terms of what he's doing with. Be here now. It's just at be here now, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's really amazing to see the difference that you make in the community because it looks like it's grown from just a handful of people here and there to running courses with all these the big big sorry large number of people that are actually coming together over this very simple practice that is big meditation. And I know that you went actually went to my old uh, jiu-jitsu gym or MMA gym down in Nara. And uh, a lot of the guys were actually very impressed by the way that you spoke and they kind of went, maybe hitting bags as hard as we can and bashing each other up is not the only thing that we can do for stress, but we can also do work at the other end. So instead of being like working on the end of like adrenaline and, and really trying to get at all this stress by the force, but they're actually finding other ways to do it. So it seems like you're affecting not just one small demographic of people, but you're affecting many demographics, which I think in its own way is a community. It's all about like touching many different people with many different talents and 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 uh, likes and dislikes. I think that's really coming, going to kind of show up as we go along. But I've got to ask, do you have a particular time limit or, or time frame that you want to see, you know, certain changes and what do you kind of expect on this, of this project over the years to come? That's a really good question. And uh, my business partner keeps asking me the same question. <laughs> uh, I first pitched it to them as a 10-year project. <laughs> uh, and they were like, mm, can, we, can we see if we can do it in like three? <laughs> um, I think I'm on track to do it in about three to, to reach the 1% threshold. Uh, right now, what we're, we've, we've done one block of filming um, last May. And we're actually going to be launching a Kickstarter campaign to do a crowdfunding campaign 
specifically to people who have already benefited from meditation. Um, so people, Vedic meditation community, we're seeing whether they'll kind of lean in and to help the, the cause. I'm going to continue to do the project regardless of the filming, um, but documenting it has been a lot of fun too. And, and, you know, we're taking individual characters and following to see what happens before they learn to meditate, how their life is, and then how after they learn to meditate and then coming back in six to 12 months and seeing if there's been any change. So it's this, it's this time, you know, over time is going to tell um, whether there's been any benefit uh, mm-hmm. and the great thing about doing unscripted documentary is that you have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea what is, if, if anybody's going to like this, whether the town's going to kick me out or whether, you know, this becomes a thing and now it becomes the meditation capital of Australia. Uh, it's, it's, it's still, <laughs> the, the jury's still out, but I guess people are going to have to tune in and find out. <laughs> I love the optimism. <laughs> yeah. If you know now, you know, it's a place which has had its troubles here and there, but I, you know, with the right people coming in and and a lot of people are doing amazing things there to actually change the way in the, the way the town is built up and just improving people's lives on a daily basis. So hey, if it comes the uh meditation capital of the world, I think you'd be you'd be the king of that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh I think that it's yeah, it's really, really impressive the things that you're trying to do and, and obviously trying to push out to the world. For those out there who want to get more involved in Vedic meditation or what you're doing specifically, what's a really great way to start that? Yeah, great question. So I run courses in Hianara. I teach in Wollongong at the university. I teach in Sydney. I run courses in Los Angeles and New York and Mexico. So if you're in any of those places, I'm also going to do a course in Melbourne um, later in the winter. So if you're in any of those places and you're interested in knowing more, I always like to have a conversation with people. I like to just chat about where they're at and see whether Vedic meditation is right for them. Um, so I usually just, uh, if people were interested, they can reach out and we can set up a time for a little Zoom and or a phone call and just just chat and 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 you know see whether this is this is right for them. If you're in not in any of those cities, there are lots of Vedic meditation teachers all over the world, wonderful teachers. Uh, if you are in a different city and you would like me to recommend you someone. Um, reach out I can put you in contact with any of my colleagues who are um, in you know good teachers and 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 I'm teaching at a really high level Um, my I guess my credentials in teaching this is that I'm part of the Shankaracharya lineage which I have a direct lineage back to the current king of the yogis in India so when I graduated from the course from my teacher's course I uh it was during COVID, but I got to have a FaceTime with the, the king of the yogis, the Shankaracharya, and he gave me his blessing to share this knowledge because it comes from India. It comes from a long line of teachers in India, and there's a lot of respect and reverence for the lineage. Um, and it was about a 3,000-hour teacher training course too, so it's, it's, it's quite intensive. There's, there's a really high bar for getting in. There's a lot of prerequisites. There's a lot of hurdles that you need to jump to be uh, considered to even do the training. Um, and then, yeah, the training was was pretty intense as well. By the time you leave there, you're like fully rinsed. You've got no stress in your physiology and you're just you're just ready to go full steam ahead. So it's worked for me. And, and I look at my colleagues all over the world and they're just doing similar great things as well. That's amazing. So you really are a future king. Is that what you're saying? King, king of the yogis. I don't think I don't think I'll make it that far. Um, <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm very happy just um, 
helping people in Nara and 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 then getting to share this with my friends around the world as well. And it's 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 a very fulfilling lifestyle. And if someone's looking for a new career, if you're not so happy with your job, I think it's the best job in the world. I think it's you get to help people, uh, you get to meet people when they are at that point where they want to make an inflection point in their life where they want to change. And that is a very empowering space. And then you get to see the change over time. And it's, um, yeah, I've been extremely happy with, with the move and um, also being able to create a film about it so that more people can, can see what happens and, and hopefully, you know, change, change some, some people's perceptions of Nara. <laughs> yeah, wow. It seems like you've found your purpose because it just seems like it's everything that you've, you know, all your passions come together and, and so many things that you're, so deeply interested in like uh, filmmaking and also meditation and obviously creating better lives for other people out there. I think that's a lot of your kind of trifecta coming together in many ways. Community building too is that, that I think that's something that I've always been passionate about. And I think, you know, that's what we have in common too. Like what we've talked about pretty extensively is that you know, the, the value in building community, because I think that, you know, more and more people are living lonely online tech existence and to bring people together into spaces there's this alchemy that happens and so i think that that coming back to irl back to bringing people together in real life getting them to have transformative experiences is something that you know we we both share that passion for as well yeah definitely definitely i do believe the community will will, will carry forward like individuals in so many ways, you know, pick people out of the dirt and dust them off and really just kind of give them a fighting spirit. And I believe a lot of the time it comes, it first comes from the individual. If someone needs to stand up, you know, for you, for, for now, uh, meditation space, that's you. But from what you do in terms of like building up through an individual, I think you start to kind of, you know, put out positive energy into the world and you can really radiate out to the community. And I believe that it doesn't take anyone special in particular. Like it doesn't take like just me or you or anyone, but it's like it just takes one foot, one step forward for for anyone really. And I think that that will just start momentum to either kind of to kind of build a community in the right place. And you know, it's it's the strength of the collective that's really gonna bring everyone forward. And for for families in particular, that can happen on a minor scale. It could be mum or dad or even one of the kids just putting one step forward and saying, let's let's start making move here and then everyone can kind of put their foot forward and really really carry on as well would you agree with that oh totally i think that you know i think community is everything and i think that um you can't have a green forest without green trees right and start you need each individual to put their oxygen mask on first before helping others and i think that that's that's how it starts and then once you've done that and you're self-sufficient that's when you can start helping helping others so i i um i totally agree awesome love it um and just to finish off with uh one more question because this is a podcast it's all for a lot of families what is one thing that actually stuck out for you personally in your family that you would love to pass in to your kids your nieces or your nephews i know you've got a lovely uh, you got a lovely nephew don't you i got yeah i've got a niece niece sorry niece yeah. We just went on a hike up Pulpit Rock um, today just for sunset with her. Nice. And I think the values that I see now, my mom and my grandma instilling in my niece and her granddaughter is this insatiable curiosity. I think that 
all of my favorite people and like you're you're one of these people that you started a podcast because you're just curious about what how, how people tick you know that's that's why you're doing this is because you just have this curiosity you want to find interesting people and ask them how they do what they do and so I think curiosity is is the most important value that has been instilled in me from my parents and I think that one day with my children I think this idea of, of curiosity just you know trying to understand the world and ask good questions um you know if you ask good questions you you're a good listener if you're a good listener you're likable uh, and uh, you end up um getting yourself into wonderful situations and you start to be able to um i guess like li- lifelong learning i think lifelong <laughs> learning comes with, with curiosity and, and and never never ceasing to ask questions amazing absolutely love that that was yeah, I agree. That's, that's really, really good. Really good. Um, and so for those people who want to reach out and, and speak to you, Baron, are the best place to find you, your courses and um, anything else that they might need to know? Yeah. So you mentioned the Be Here Now Instagram. Um, I'm available on there if you want to follow the journey and see what's happening down here. See if now it really does become the meditation capital of the world or if they kick, or if they kick me out, I'll... I'll I'll post either way. Uh, it's it's a beautiful beautiful kind of um, uh, story. It's a beautiful uh, capture of, of of what's happening here, and um, and and it also shows shows support of the community. Uh, and then on that, if you go through there, or if you want to go to beherenara.com, that has uh, all the information about the project. You can send an inquiry through there and get in touch with me through that, um, and yeah i'd love to just anyone who's curious and has listened all the way through this podcast if you're still here uh shoot me a message and and i'd love to love to chat because uh i know that we can probably do some good work together yeah awesome i'll definitely leave all the uh links and everything in the show notes but um yeah baron's very open-minded person and and is what he says he loves to chat and answer questions so um be sure to reach out and, and speak to him because um yeah, I'm sure you learned something. I definitely have. But um, thanks again, Baron. I really appreciate you jumping on here. And um, it's amazing to see someone like yourself and um, someone from such a small area just really have so much passion and authenticity in what they're doing and really doing some amazing things to change people's lives for the better. So um, thank you. Thanks, Jordan. I really appreciate you uh, you reaching out. I think this is actually only my second podcast interview ever. So uh, I really appreciate you um, <laughs> taking the time to have me on and uh, I, I really enjoyed this. So thank you.